Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. That's our one and only super producer. Give it up for him. His Ooh. name is Max Williams. What? They what, call what? me. <laughs> they call me Ben. Uh, Noel, I think everybody at some point in their life has needed to make a heartfelt apology. It can be difficult, but it's it's an important thing to do, and usually you'll be the better for it. Well, let me take this as an opportunity to make a heartfelt apology to you, Ben. It was I that ate your leftovers in the uh, the office fridge. Now, to, to be fair, they'd been in there for months. I probably got deathly ill as a result of eating them. So that was my own comeuppance. And you probably had forgotten about them in the first place. And yet somehow I feel the need to make a big to-do uh, about apologizing. Your name was on <laughs> it, Ben. And I disregarded that. And uh, Is I, that a uh, true story? I, no, it's not a true story, but it's okay. A, it's, it's a good say. frame story. It's, you, it's a you, frame you're not story. A left, like you're not a leftover lever, Ben. You know your know thyself. <laughs> I feel like I mean, no, you could apologize to me. Oh yeah, for drinking all your your nice whiskey. No, no, for you know, just call me your nemesis on like every podcast, despite not doing anything to you. Well, you know? I mean, that's all. That's debatable. To you, how does one do something to someone? You know, I mean, all right, I, I see how it is. Yeah, no, I, I okay. do apologize. Uh, I drank, a, I drank a lot of your fancy whiskey one time, um, uh, and then I do apologize for that. While I was watching curling. Mm-hmm. Well, now that we're all, uh, now that we're all good. I will give one example. Uh, this is old school how stuff works lore. Uh, I hope I don't get in too much trouble for this, but I did have a fridge thief, fridge thief interaction many years ago at our old office in Buckhead. I'd saved half of a Philly cheesesteak sandwich on a Friday, and I came in to the office on the weekend because I was always, I still always am going in on the weekend, and uh, I found that my Philly cheesesteak was missing. 
And I was on a mission to figure out who did it. So I started investigating. I hit the streets or the hallways and the cubicles. And I eventually learned that my cheesesteak had been taken none other by none other than my dear friend, a good friend of the show, Josh Clark. In his, adv- in his defense, he did come clean when I asked him. And he said, why do you care? And I said, because it's it's like beyond a party foul, man. You you ate my cheesesteak. And he did feel kind of bad, but I do think it was it was hilarious. So every time I uh, look at Josh, I still think that guy owes me half a cheesesteak. Yeah. Was it was it good? I mean, cheesesteaks don't really keep super well, to be fair. That's why I was in the day after. He moved ah. quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so was your name on so it? This, it was it was clearly half an eaten cheesesteak wrapped in foil. It's like clearly not something left over from a party that's just up for grabs. But anyway, forgiveness, apologies. That's what this story is about. And this I thought had a had a wholesome ending. So this is this is an interesting, fascinating tale from history. It does have some ridiculous moments, but we can't wait to dive in. Let's start with a tragedy. If you live in the U.S., uh, you are well aware of the events of Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941. And if you don't live in the U.S. and want a primer, you should watch the Michael Bay documentary, uh, Pearl Harbor, um, starring, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ben Affleck? Ben Affleck. Yeah, that's right. He's Mm -hmm. in it. It's apparently quite bad. But uh, yeah, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. It was Mm -hmm. one of the only times we've actually been directly attacked, you know, on uh, Americans soil, 9-11 is often compared to Pearl Harbor. Yeah, yeah. But I, I love you point this out. It was one of the only times, but it was not the only time the U.S. was under air attack by Japanese forces. If you go to September 9th, 1942, there was a Japanese float plane piloted by an officer named Nobu Fujita, which took off from a submarine that was off Cape Blanco, on the southwestern Oregon coast. And this attack occurs in the context of a couple of other attacks. Earlier that year, on February 23rd, 1942, there was an attack on the Elwood oil field outside of Santa Barbara. And this attack sparked a panic in the U.S. populace. They were not used to dealing with war on the home front because, you know, the U.S. is geographically quite fortunate in terms of uh, its security. There are two massive oceans on either side, two friendly countries to the south and the north. It's hard to get here if you are an army that is attempting to attack. So people are still very concerned. Like, I I think your 9-11 comparison is pretty apt, Noel, because you remember in the aftermath of the attack on September 11th, 2001, people all over the country were worried that their town, no matter how big or small, might be the next target. And that's kind of how people were feeling during World War II. They thought Japanese forces would be able to get past the ocean, would be able to touch them on home soil. This was not a crazy fear. You know, it didn't come out of the blue. There were several attacks, as we have mentioned. And at this time, the Imperial Japanese Navy was super formidable. It was actually the most powerful Navy on the planet during the Pearl Harbor attacks. It had the biggest 
most heavily armed battleships ever built, the Yamato and the Musashi, and their naval aviation was super awesome. Japanese forces made the largest submarines of World War II. They could carry their own aircraft, which might sound pretty crazy today. And this I-25 submarine we're talking about had a surprise that submarines today do not possess. They had planes that can fly from the sub and then fly back to the sub. They were retrievable, reusable. They did this by folding up. The technology is amazing, but that's where that's where our story takes place. The I-25, we can talk about the stats some if you want. Uh, it was pretty big, 17 torpedoes, had a naval gun, 140 millimeters, 95 individuals aboard, and it had one Yokosuka E-14Y seaplane. The Allied forces called this the Glen. And this was responsible for the only attack on a mainland American military site during World War II. So the other one that wasn't Pearl Harbor. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. Cement Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know. I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, yeah. Bonneville, oh, 
right? It's- oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was, a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, <laughs> I said El Camino and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, You know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, and on June 21st, 1942, along the Oregon coastline, this was the only mainland attack of an American military site during World War II, uh, and it was along the Oregon coastline. And um, there was an American fishing vessel uh, that the Japanese submarine I-25 very sneakily used to evade capture, to evade detection. They kind of, what would you say, Ben, kind of tailed them a little bit, I guess? Or, you know, it's sort of the equivalent of like drafting someone in Mario Kart, or if you hang out behind them, it sort of like uh, guards you from others and even pick up a little extra steam. That wouldn't have been the case here, but certainly would have been a way to keep under the radar, as it were, because, I mean, they would have seen the, uh, the fishing vessel and maybe not paid attention to what was close around. But it surfaced uh, around Fort Stevens, which was a kind of long-in-the-tooth army base uh, that actually dated back to the Civil War. So it was in really poor uh, state, needed some TLC. But just before midnight, the I-25 used um, its above-deck weapon, like a Gatling gun kind of thing, or I don't know, Ben, what would you say? It's 140 millimeters. So is that like shells? Is that like, what would you call that, like an ordinance, like a a larger-scale mortar situation, or it's somewhere in between just regular machine gun shells and larger ordinance, right? Yeah, I would call it, I, I would say think of it like a tank gun. Almost. There you go. That's 140 go. millimeters. So not a massive uh, mortar round, but somewhere in between, like an anti-aircraft gun or something like that, or a tank gun, like you said. And they shot 17 of those uh, 140 millimeter bad boys at that fort. And the commander uh, of Fort Stevens actually ordered his men not to return fire because he didn't want to give away their positions. And he thought that the flashes from the uh, gun muzzles uh, of the, the installations there on the fort were would have revealed that. And this, you know, apparently worked. At first I was kind of like, well, well why, why did this matter? Because, but, but again, because of the size, the medium size of the rounds that were being fired by the Japanese, they needed to be able to focus them into areas where they were actually going to kill 
personnel because this wouldn't have been enough to like take down the whole fort, for example. So by kind of hiding their positions, they essentially rendered the attack uh, a little bit null and void. So instead, a nearby baseball field actually took a lot of the damage. Yeah. Yeah, which meant the bombardment wasn't very successful. The Fort Stevens plan worked. But this just goes to show you how how good the I-25 was at getting close enough to do some damage. And forgive me, fellow ridiculous historians, every time I'm saying I-25, I know it's the submarine, but it keeps making me think of interstates. Yeah, so the, same here. Inter- the submarine, which is not an interstate, makes history again when it uh, does the first ever bombing of the mainland, continental United States, by an enemy aircraft. This is collectively known as the Lookout Air Raids now. This is where we see our guy, Warren Officer Nabu Fujita. His commander, Meiji Tagami, tells the crew to deploy that aircraft we're talking about, the Glenn, armed with two pretty big incendiary bombs, 168 pounds each. Fujita is flying under the cover of darkness, crosses onto dry land, The idea is that if they drop these incendiary bombs in the right place, they can maybe start a forest fire and have people in a panic. I want to shout out a couple of sources here. Of course, history.com, several articles from there. And of course, Civilian Military Intelligence Group. This comes from a blog post, but it's worth checking out because it has pictures where you can see the actual submarine we're describing as well as the plane that Fujita was flying. Americans didn't realize they were under attack for a while. Uh, Some people had heard the ship, uh, heard the plane while they were on the ground. It wasn't until 6.42 in the morning, the next morning, that a U.S. Forest Service guy named Howard Gardner was at the Mount Emily Fire Lookout and spotted the plane. He said the engine sounded like a Model T backfiring. And mm-hmm. he called it in, and no one, no one thought it was a threat. They were like, "Look, this is just some guy in a plane. He's over the wilderness in the middle of nowhere. Cool your jets, Gardner. Pump your brakes. Watch the forest." And another really good resource to check out, by the way, is a site called NowIKnow.com, uh, and there is an article from 2010 about the Lookout Air Raid, which we're actually about to get into. So later that day, the forest fires were discovered, and this uh, Forest Service Ranger guy, I guess, he went to check it out, and they initially thought that lightning had caused them. They later found a crater that can only have been caused by bomb fragments or bombing from air raids. And eventually they found the nose cone of the bomb. And it, of course, had telltale markings on it uh, that indicated they were of Japanese origin. Uh, And three weeks later, on September 29th, early in the morning, Fujita uh, led a second round of attacks. He dropped two more bombs into uh, the forest near Port Orford, which is around 50 miles up the coast from Brooklyn. Oregon. And again, the planes were sighted. Yeah. Yep. They found them. And the U.S. Forest Service employees also describe things that sound like bombs, flashes, smoke. They search the area. They don't find anything. And they say, okay, you know what probably happened? There's probably a small wildfire that burned out because the forest is so damp. So again, they go back to that other explanation, lightning strikes, they say. They don't find any fragments of bombs. They don't release any information about this until the next year. Uh, And let's look at Fujita. 
This is where uh, I think the story gets really, really interesting. So Fujita himself, yeah, he very wholesome. Yes, he he survives until the end of World War II, and all the you know horrors that happen in Japan at that time. He eventually opens a hardware store near Tokyo in like the kind of Tokyo suburbs. Unfortunately, the hardware store goes bankrupt later and he takes a job where he works at a wire company for a pretty long time. And he doesn't really talk about his time in the military. It, it, it doesn't come up. And if you've ever had a veteran in your family from any war, you know that often people have survived war. It's not their first topic of conversation and understandably so. So it came to pass that Fujita's entire family had no idea that he attacked the U.S. mainland until in 1962, he gets invited to Brookings, the place he tried to bomb. And uh, the Japanese government takes a minute and they say, okay, we got to figure out if they're going to try you as a war criminal. And they say, all right, we get the vibe that they're not going to try you as a war criminal. And so he says, okay, I'm going to go. And he takes along with him his family's samurai sword. It's been in his family for 400 years. His plan is, look, I'm going to present this to the town as an apology for my attack. And if they don't accept my apology, I'm going to commit seppuku, a ritual suicide. That is intense, man. I mean, it's it's not uncommon. I mean, you know, in, if, a, if a Japanese, a very proud uh, Japanese person uh, is shamed uh, in some way or brings seen as bringing shame on their family, this thing is is absolutely on the table. His daughter, Yuriko uh, Asukara, told the New York Times in an interview, quote, he thought perhaps people would still be angry and would throw eggs at him. Uh, if that happened, as a Japanese, he wanted to take responsibility for what he had done. And that's a pretty heavy way of taking responsibility. So <sighs> just to understand, I mean, he, he's apologizing or he's he's regretful because he made a mistake or because he did not agree with the mission of the war anymore. I, I think the idea is that he's a, he's officially, no apologies are a big, big thing in that culture. So I think he is, his motivation, if we could guess, is to apologize for possibly putting civilians in danger, possibly destroying, you know, wilderness. And it's his way of making peace or atoning. We should talk about Seppuku, if no one, if if you're not aware of it, ridiculous historians, it's sometimes called Harry Kiri in the in the West, and it is super grisly. It starts by you stab yourself in the stomach and in, in your belly with a short sword, and then you cut across, turning the blade upwards, Ooh. slicing open your stomach. It's almost like disemboweling yourself. And then, if I'm not mistaken, it requires a buddy who then chops your head off. Or at least in some versions yes. of it that I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a kaishakunin, they're called. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you can read more What is Seppuku in History.com by Evan Andrews. But yes, yeah, so he was serious about this. And and think of his think of his poor kid. This is a lot to find out, right? One day your dad says, I have to look, I was in the war, as you know, but I, I bombed the United States. They've invited me to come back. I'm taking this. I'm taking our family's sword, and I'm going to commit grisly suicide if they don't accept my apology. That's a lot for a Tuesday. You know what I mean?
This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. No joke. Yeah, I mean, it's almost a flex in a way. I mean, I, I get it. I appreciate the sentiment, but man, not necessary. You know, water under the bridge. And thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, that's what it was. 
The town welcomed him and appreciated the gesture so much that local churches and businesses actually raised money to help him come visit in 1962. They essentially gave him the key to the city. He was made Grand Marshal of the Azalea Festival, which sounds delightful. <laughs> and he even, sing, uh, out of his own pocket, paid for students from Brookings to go to Japan as well. So it almost started like a little exchange you know, foreign exchange student kind of uh, situation. Uh, he also donated money to the town's library for kids' books on Japan and their culture. Um, hopefully he got one on seppuku for kids because that, that that's important to know about. <laughs> I I think I remember that from the Scholastic Book Fair. It was yeah, right really colorful. Stories it was in the style the of the Very Hungry Caterpillar. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the Choose Your Own Adventure ber- version is kind of grim, though. So uh, be warned, folks. Uh, God, I love Scholastic Book Fairs and Book It. Oh, well, anyway. Uh, so this is so this is so beautiful. It's so wholesome. He did, by the way, present the sword. Even if they didn't want to accept it, it was kind of like he felt obligated to do so. And it is to this day. In the city hall, it's displayed in the library of the city hall. He was made an honorary citizen of the town shortly before he passed away in 1997. And per him and his family's request, some of his ashes were buried at the bombing site. When he he donated this word in uh, 1962, and he had just a a, a beautiful quote about it. Uh, do do you want to do the honors, Noel? I sure do. He said, it's in the finest samurai tradition to pledge peace and friendship by presenting a sword to a former enemy. Wonderful. And, you know, this period of time is so full of obscure stories and ridiculous history. You know, we uh, if you're interested, we have another story about a failed assault on mainland U.S. by Japanese forces. It's an episode we did a while back The concept was novel, though it was ultimately unsuccessful. It was the fire balloons. You remember that one? Yeah, I believe they're called Fugo balloon bombs, which is a Mm -hmm. lighter than air balloon, you know, that that, that has a payload of essentially an anti-personnel bomb that are only about 26 pounds. Uh, They're incendiary bombs. They're essentially fire bombs. Uh, And I believe it detects altitude. Uh, and once they drop to a certain altitude, the payload is released. It's really interesting. We, we, in the episode, we talk about sort of the mechanism behind it and, and how that mm-hmm. works. It uses like a like a very simple altimeter. Uh, and these types of weapons can be very useful, especially, you know, in back in the day when you know, a lot of homes and things were built out of uh, very flammable material. And if you had like a yeah. convoy of these things, clusters of them, they could really do some serious damage. Yeah, and they're the interesting fact, they're the first ever intercontinental weapon. They're the ancestor of uh, ICBMs. That's right. And they weren't particularly effective, as you can imagine. I mean, it no. is very low-fi <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, low technology, and they released them um, in uh, 1944, a handful of these around Alaska and Alberta, Canada, Arizona, British Columbia, California. Why, why are they messing with Canada during all this? What do they have to do with anything? I guess they're allies. Uh, Colorado, Hawaii, Idaho, Iowa, Kansas, Mexico, Michigan, Montana, Nebraska, Nevada, North Dakota, Oregon. Hey, there's Oregon getting, the, getting hit again. South Dakota, Texas, Utah, Washington, Wyoming, and the Yukon Territory. 
Um, they Ooh. launched around 9,000 of these things throughout the project. And they uh, were hoping that around 900 of them would release, would actually reach America. Uh, but I think only 300 did because they literally, it was like a kind of spray it's and a hot pray. air balloon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's going to go with the jet stream, going to get guided. And then like, you know, you throw a bunch of them at the wall and hopefully, you know, a handful of them stick, but the, it did not meet their predicted expectations. I mean, who are we to judge? That's basically what we do with uh, with our show. Hoping a few of these will stick in your mind uh, and you'll have some weird facts to throw out with your friends at parties and gatherings. I was thinking a lot about balloons recently because uh, we had a balloon launch as a memorial for thing in my family. And I know that they, they can be kind of controversial because you don't know where the balloons will end up or what they what they might end up doing. But we also have here in Atlanta, we have a really cool uh, lantern parade every year. And sometimes, and people also will release those uh, lanterns that fly up based on the, you know, the heat emitted yep. by the candle. Is that how it works? Is that correct? I think that's right. Yeah, exactly. It creates heat and the hot air rises. So it, it, it pushes them up and they all go up in, in, in a flurry. And it's really kind of a beautiful sight. I believe that's coming up not too far. We're kind of entering festival and parade season here in Atlanta. I went to the uh, Inman Park Festival over the weekend and saw a great parade. And it was my first one of the season. I, I, everyone likes a good parade uh, and a good festival. So hopefully you're taking some in around your neck of the woods. And Ben, isn't there a balloon festival or some sort of a hot air balloon that we've talked with? We've threatened to go check it out together, but I can't quite yes. remember where. It's not, it's in Norcross, I think, right? Yeah, I think it all it may have already happened this year. Uh it is held every No, it's coming up. It's this May. I just checked it. Okay. So it's the end of May, Friday, May 7th to Sunday, May 29th. That's the regular balloon festival. Then there's a hot air balloon festival the same weekend in Gwinnett. I don't know if the Atlanta Balloon Festival lets you uh fly in the balloons. But would love to get up in one. I think we talked about it. You, Max, you were you were the most reticent on that one, right? Oh, absolutely. I'm, oh, I'm so not terrified doing it. of heights. I'm not doing. It. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm absolutely. Yeah, I, I think. I think. What? I think. Noel and I are both like we'll be cast pressed go, to the bottom. Go with God, that. my friend. I, I will watch you oh, and, wow. and pray, pray for your well being and your safe return. <laughs> yeah, but, I'll, I'll uh, have some yeah. cotton candy. I'll be munching on it while I watch you go up there. I am not getting up there at all. I get I get ten feet in the air and I freak out. Oh, you you're not even you don't even like flights, right? You're not a huge uh, air travel fan. I, I I'm fine once it gets going. I mean, I'm claustrophobic and afraid of heights, so like planes just kind of like make me like pretty uncomfortable. But mm-hmm. like. Like if, if I'm at somebody's apartment, it's like five stories up. We're going on the balcony. I'm like, nah, 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 not doing this. Yeah, I'm wow. okay with uh, with heights as long as it's enclosed and I feel like it's sturdy. But like a basket? Are you kidding me? Oh yeah, absolutely. Get out of what town. is life if not to be lived? Well, you know what? At least you guys told me before the three of us were walking up to the balloon when the two at which point the two of you would have been would have dipped back and said hey take some pictures all right see you man um so we'll take some too from the ground buddy <laughs> you're gonna look yeah. great thanks, and I mean, thanks guys and to be honest at least we, we've now told you this twice we have right. this on record to show you twice. that we've told you this yeah already. yeah you've got the receipts i get it but yeah. uh barring our ballooning adventures uh we know this one was maybe a little shorter than usual but we thought it was so wholesome and it was such a a beautiful human moment a beautiful ending 
to a story that could have been horrific and tragic. We hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. Uh, We can't wait to hear your accounts of other strange stories largely left out of textbooks. So let us know. Let us know your cool stories. You can find us on the internet, not just as a show, but as individuals. That's right. You can find us as individuals. I am exclusively on Instagram at HowNowNoelBrown. How about you, Ben? You can find me on Instagram where I'm getting into any number of ill-informed escapades and adventures. Uh, you can learn more about that balloon launch if you follow me at, at Ben Bolin. B-O-W-L-I-N. You can also find me on Twitter if you want to look at some of the research uh, on and off the record that I'm getting into over there. Bonus points for following me on Twitter at HSW is that you will also inevitably run into Mr. Max Williams. Yes, you can find me at ATL underscore Max Williams where, you know, I'll just be tweeting about stuff I like and stuff. Sports, right? (laughs) Sure, why not? Or no, spores. Just spores. Just spores. And there are a lot out there to discover. Anyway, story for another day. Thanks to you, Max. Thanks to Eve's Jeffcoat. Thanks to Casey Pegram. Christopher Osiotis here in spirit returning soon. Um, I don't know. You think Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. the Quizster, would go up in a balloon with me? I'm going to say no. Yeah, I'm with you. It's a soft no for me, dog. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency, where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch, so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop.